to work, you have to truly believe in the magic. Hey, Magic fans, and welcome to the Let's Talk Magic podcast. I'm Paul, and uh, welcome to this week's episode. It's This is, as you know, an Orlando Magic podcast, and today we are going to be talking about Paolo, Markel, Wendell, and J.I. Um, today's episode is brought to you in association with AttractionTickets.com, the UK's leading supplier for attraction tickets, providing everything you could want when visiting Orlando, including tickets to C to Disney, SeaWorld in the U Universal Parks, plus theme park hotels. Uh, they also sell Orlando Magic tickets at a highly competitive price, so when planning your next holiday to Orlando from the UK check out attractiontickets.com using the links on our website social media and in the podcast description below um also they are currently running black friday deals uh that includes a 10% offer off of all US hotels and tickets so well worth checking out you could also visit letstalkmagic.com for all our affiliate links, including the NBA store and Fanatics, where you will also find any discount codes that we may have running at the time. So, boys, we've got the housekeeping out of the way. Let's introduce you. Gary, how are you doing, my friend? Higgity boom, mate. How are you? Marvellous, mate. Marvellous. Am I the only one uh, not on the magic memo this week? Because I've, I've I've not had time to get changed. I've still got my slip knot top on. Jim Gear here, mate. G, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. You should know I don't wear anything else other than Orlando Magic, be it socks, pants, t-shirts, pajamas, pajamas, dressing gown, anything. Body stockings. Body stockings, the lot, <laughs> and a, mate. And a good week, yeah. mate. A good week. Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Um, obviously, uh, I've only just finished watching the game about an hour ago, so we'll get to that in a little second. Oh, but. Yes. Um, yeah, and you just read out the obviously the uh, the sponsorship with attraction tickets, and obviously, you know, we we heard about the deals they had, fantastic deals. I've only gone and got my tickets already, haven't I? So I'm a little bit right. annoyed at myself at the same time. But uh, no, fantastic deals available there. So yeah, you check them out, as Paul said. Absolutely, and Mr. Clark, Mikey, how's you? I, I think I'm all right. <laughs> The action man is growing back. Becky's a little happier this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I was. I'm a. I'm a happy boy today. I was up at quarter to five to watch the Hawks game this this morning, and uh, we all know what happens there if you've already watched the game. But uh, we'll get into that shortly. Yeah, absolutely. And before we continue, as always, we're going to give a shout out to our patrons as we do every week who help support Let's Talk Magic and what we do. So it's a thank you as always to Ollie Law, Gary Clark, Angus Craig, Dylan Holden, Alan Kane. Tom Sohn, Mark Joss, Sean Moore, Drummy Drum Drum, Paolo and Franz Warmth, Liam Radbourne, Andy Lindley and Stuart Benzie. We genuinely do appreciate you. And it's also a thank you to anyone who shows the support for the show that we do. If you are interested in joining Patreon, we have three tiers available of uh, varying benefits. Visit patreon.com forward slash Let's Talk Magic to join today or click on the Patreon link on our website, letstalkmagic.com. So let's get into it, boys. Um, a week has passed since we recorded and it's closed with the Magic taking a one and two record. 
The three games we played showed Orlando, saw Orlando take down the Lakers. Big smiles all around there. Um, we then dropped to a loss against Dallas. And finally, a heartbreaking one-point loss to Atlanta in Mexico last night. That sees us with a record of 4-4, four and four, tied sixth in the East with Miami, New York, Brooklyn and Toronto. So I would say that this week, injury news has been somewhat dominated uh, Magic news again. Markel Fultz missed two games with knee soreness. Gary Harris, all three games with a continuing issue to his groin. Wendell Carter Jr., as we know, is out for an extended period with a fractured third metacarpal to his left hand that's requiring surgery. He'll be evaluated at the end of the month, but could be out until the new year. And Jonathan Isaac also had to sit out for a period of time uh, with a hamstring issue. Those injuries saw both Anthony Black and Gogo Bitadze come into the starting unit. Anthony Black getting his first NBA start. Now, G, I'm going to come to you first because uh, we're going to have a quick talk about Markel. Um, you firmly held the view this week that if Markel had played against uh, Dallas, we would have won that game. So, go on, mate. Why is that? Absolutely. We would have. Well, first of all, you know, let, let's uh, just have a quick recap. You know, the Lakers game. Um, Black played superbly, you know, coming in. Uh, I think he was a plus 30 something for the for the game, shot the ball well, hounded the Lakers on defense. Uh so kudos to him. Uh Gogo Batadze as well, you know, setting the setting the tone, first possession of the game, blocking Anthony Davis, and you know, uh comfortable winners in the end, but you know, until I just they, knew uh... that you couldn't go over without talking about that Lakers game. Oh, you have to, don't you? <laughs> Biggest like, of the I, de I deliberately left it out. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Lakers game. Thinking, and I'll come to you first. I just knew you wouldn't be able to resist having a little talk about it. Yeah, man. goodbye. Go on, carry on. It's got, it's got to be done. Got to be done. So, um, you know, in fairness, those two that came in, you just mentioned, um, did absolutely brilliantly, and the team was fantastic running the Lakers off the floor. Um, the first half with Dallas, no complaints at all, whatsoever. Shot the ball well. Um, but then it started to come undone in the third quarter. Um, shooting was a problem. I think we nearly went 18 or 17 and a half minutes without making a three ball, um, which, you know, is an obvious concern and something, you know, been discussed on podcasts before is the fact we haven't got shooters. Um, so other than, uh, the problem is with that Dallas game for me, people get on Markel faults. Um, and after the Lakers game, they were saying that Black is the future. You know, let's trade Markel. One game, one game. And, you know, he played great defense, but he didn't do what Markel does. He doesn't drive the ball. He doesn't penetrate, get to the paint, you know, make those tough, you know, awkward shots, uh, get layups, finds teammates. I can't remember, I've got the stats in front of me, but I don't think he had many assists that game. Um, as a starting point guard. Now, I know Markel doesn't get as many either, but he does get a lot, a lot of hockey assists. Um, so going back to, you know, why Markel would have made us win, the reason for me is that the fourth quarter, the Magic shot the ball terribly. Um, they turned the ball over a lot. They put themselves in positions with the shot clock winding down where we took bad shots. Whereas if you have a point guard on the floor who can make decisions, 
who's you know accustomed to having the ball late in the game like Markel does, then we're a lot more likely to you know to get better shots uh, and maybe walk out with a W. So the third quarter obviously put us back, but it was still you know a, a couple of points in the game in the fourth quarter, still there to be had for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so t- to say. You only got to look at Markel Fultz's. Uh, sorry, I'm like the president of the Markel Fultz Club, and I'm just standing up for him all the time. Um, but Markel Fultz, as a member of the Orlando Magic, the team is 76 and 87. Without Markel Fultz, we're 105 and 213. So that just points to, to winning, you know, um, impact in, in a lot of ways. That could be, you know, defensive intensity. Um, you get a lot more um, extra possessions with Markel. He gets more offensive rebounds as a point guard. It's quite high, uh, his stats for offensive rebounds. He picks up steals. He pressures the ball. Um, so things like the, the bad shots, you know, shot clock violations um, on, was it Monday now? Yeah, Monday against Dallas. I don't think we would have had them. So for me, that's one of the reasons um, I think we'd have, benefited from having Markel on the floor. Um, and it's not to say, you know, the players weren't capable. Everybody has an off game, but I think that the offense would have been orchestrated a lot better with a legitimate leader on the floor. Um, and it's something we want to see Paolo and Franz do. But for me, you know, I'm looking at the box score from the fourth quarter. They both played nine, nine minutes, 26 and nine minutes, 50 between them going one for six from the floor, you know, you need closers as well. Cole Anthony stepped up, did his part. So, you know, you could argue he should be on the floor. Anthony Black played five minutes, didn't even shoot the ball. Jalen Suggs played two minutes, didn't shoot the ball. Um, so it, it's about having the right personnel on the floor. And I think Markel is the is the engine uh, and the spearhead to our offense who can actually penetrate and get us the right shots um, and get us clicking. Sorry for my answer. Can I, can I spin this back the other way then? Because I'm, I'm not make. disagreeing or agreeing with you either way. I'm just throwing it back. Last night against the Hawks, the Magic's offense was not good down the stretch. Markel was a part of that. So if you're saying that he orchestrates the, the offense, I'm not disagreeing with you either. It didn't look so, any better with him on the floor last night than it has done, say, against well, Dallas. The, di- the difference with last night is, the reason we lost last night is because of 10 missed free throws. Now, if you, look at the it, yeah. stat, if you look at the box score, Mark Al went three for three, didn't miss. Between the rest of the team, they missed 10 free throws. Mark Al had one turnover. The rest of the team had 18 turnovers. He's the primary ball handler. So that shows he's looking after the ball. Everybody else was being sloppy. And I think Mark Al's turnover was in the first couple of minutes. So obviously, mm. you know, he yes. locked in. Um, so 18 turnovers, it's not good enough. Um, so... For me, like I just said before, having your floor general out there, the person who should have the ball in, in his hands because he's the primary ball handler, uh, that's why I think we would have beaten Dallas and we would have won last night if we'd made a few more free throws. So, yeah, that's what I think, mate. Go on, mate. Now, this is, as, as you know, it's a bit of a two-part of this, mate, because I've already asked you the first part. But some of the criticisms that we see of Markel are a perceived lack of uh, three-point threat injury prone so a lack of availability and that him requiring the ball in his hands stifles the game of Paolo and Franz in particular so 
Yeah, the floor yeah, is yours, yeah. mate. Can okay. you persuade those with doubts as to why he holds the position long term for the magic? Well, fix it doesn't fix the spacing issue. I get that. You know, yeah. we, we'd hope the uh, I can't sugarcoat that. I was hoping his percentages would have come up. He hasn't made a three ball this season yet, mind you. He's only played five games, but this season, um, you saw him yesterday driving to the basket, just just getting into the heart of the defense. We didn't have that the last two games with not having, you know, him on the floor. Cole can do it, but he, I don't think he can do it to the same extent that Mark does and get to the cup. Uh, Black, I don't think he's confident enough. He's obviously a rookie, so he's only played X amount of games. Hopefully that'll come. Um, but this season, like this, it's a small sample size at the moment. He's played five games, so compare that to last season. So his turnovers are down to 1.2 per game, whereas last year was 2.3. So turnovers are better. Uh, steals, uh, in and around what they were last year, 1.2. Uh, it's shooting. It's a little bit down on last year, but again, it's a very small sample size. But he's playing at the same amount of minutes, um, but his points have dropped off uh, by about three points compared to last year. So he's a kind of player that gives you extra possessions, crashes the boards. It's a situational thing. Is that if, you, if you do need the space in, you put Cole in. You do. But you need then for Paolo and Franz to be able to orchestrate the offense better. And I haven't seen that this season. Uh, I know we're going to probably talk about Paolo and Franz in a little bit now, but um, the one other player I'm most confident about having the ball and being able to get into the lane is Franz. I don't think, think I've seen enough of Paolo doing it, to be perfectly honest with you. He's been triple, double, double team, triple team, and he's given the ball up. So... Um, I, I think I think he's a, a key part of the team, um, but obviously, you know, we're not have Damian Lillard on our team, are we? So, what's the other Gary, option? Gary, I'm going to come to you because I'm going to ask you about the other half of this equation that our other starting point guard in Anthony Black. How well do you feel he did coming in and starting for those uh, games that he did start to? I'll just jump on the back of G there as well and please do, mate, with the. Um... There's a lot of like silly and points, but I would also say in that Dallas game, you had to have Cole Anthony in. I agree. He was, he was the guy who stepped up in that quarter to give us any semblance of hope in the fourth quarter. So it's finding out, I think, about what the best guard combination uh, is going to be going forward. I'm going to start off with a point as well that I think I'm probably going to make later on that... By the way, I'm not on panic stations at all. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm not, I'm not on any trade anyone type thing or anything like that. But this is really, 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 really early stages still of where we are, who we are, and who we're going to be. And also, there are players on this team who we like. And I'm not talking just about us four. I'm talking about Magic fan base, talking about the group chat, the Discord chat. Twitter, people we know, etc., who aren't going to be here when this team is in its final form. Some of these players aren't going to be here, and I'm okay with that. You know, I've made my peace with that because I, I know I could end up being one of the people who's quite disappointed one day when there's a trade made, but I, I might not be. Um, with Anthony Black, what he's done is he started that first game. First of all, if you just did the eyesight test, 
I thought he was mature against the Lakers. It's the Lakers he's playing against, and he's a kid. When you look, when you look at him facially, he is a kid, and you could have been really overwhelmed playing against the LA Lakers led by, by LeBron James, and he wasn't. He had energy. He was a competitor. I feel he's been better starting than he has been coming off the bench, and we know that there are players who are better off the bench. And yeah. we know there are players who are better starting, and I think he starts in a rhythm better than he does trying to find the rhythm right now. So that's something to keep in mind. Me and Mikey had a chat the other day. We're up early, we're on the road to work, etc. <laughs> we sometimes have these early, early chin wags about basketball. And one of the things was about who he was matched against, which is D'Angelo Russell. And without sitting and doing like a bleacher report ranking of every starting point guard in the NBA, I don't think it would be unfair to say that D'Angelo Russell, if we ranked 1 to 30, would rank somewhere between 12 and 17, mm. at a guess. And you would, I would say that because you've got a guy putting up 18 points a game. He's playing in the big market. He's a former All-Star who's put up 20 points a game when he's been a primary option. And Black tortured him. He gave him an awful night. And if you were looking at NBA-level competition for someone coming out of college, D'Angelo Russell's a measuring stick, and it's a one that he overcame. And he came through that test with shining colours. He made Russell look poor. Russell can beat you. He can be a difference maker on the court, and he made him look poor. So I think all credit to Anthony Black. Can the shot continue? Because that was our big issue when we we got him, and it's what we yep. saw. That's that's up for debate. That that is up for debate. But it's so far so good. I think what Anthony Black's done is he's created a conversation, and it's to Anthony Black's credit because anybody who walks through that door on day one of practice should be looking at, I'm here for the long term. I'm a starter in the NBA. All of these guys who are on that team have been the best player in their district, in their age group at some point. And he's turned up and he's now created a conversation. And that's nothing against Markel Fultz, Jill and Suggs. But what he has done is, I think Cole offers something different to those guys where he's a, he can play, he can start, or he can be a six man and he's a scorer. If we're going to go Franz and if we're going to go Bancaro as primary ball handlers, Cole has a role in that team because he can be like the Bulls when they had Steve Kerr as a specialist, for example, and they had Harper as a specialist doing a job for them. The comparison for Anthony Black, I think, is Jalen Suggs. Because mm. uh, both of them are defensive first players. So what he's done is I think he's raised a question mark as if Anthony Black evolves as a kid, if he's starting quality down the line, who becomes expendable and has to find their role on the team. So Anthony Black might have guaranteed himself two to three years on the Magic minimum. You also look at the other team that he started against being Dallas Mavericks. The guys he was going up against there. He going up against two of the best in the league. But he held his own as a starter. And now in the Hawks game, he's going against another supreme backcourt. And he, he didn't have the same, but he didn't start. Now, is it altitude? Is it travel? Is it just a kid finding too many hard minutes quick? Who knows? But it's just it's a, an interesting point. But I will end it by saying I am 100% not on a trademark Markel Fultz 
Blackburn, Markel falls off. Anything I, and like I think this, yeah, I think it's important that even though I'm asking the questions here, this yeah. is generated in some ways from what we've been seeing all week. Yeah. Um, I'm with you entirely, Gary, that it's far too early to panic. This is all about a team evolving and we are still in that process of finding who we have and what we have and we're four and four. But Paul, what, what a lovely surprise we've now got because the NBA has released their top 10 rookie rankings and I'll be honest, I didn't expect either of no. our rookies to be anywhere near it. Now, he's not in it yet but if that comes up, it, we've shown now that we possibly have another top 10 rookie in a draft class again. So full credit to the front office that people are talking about him because we weren't talking about him at the start of the yeah. season. Yeah, it's a great point, mate. Great point. Mikey, I'm going to come to you because in a similar vein to the, some of the criticism we see of Markel mm-hmm. um, over a lack of shooting and availability, some of that is also thrown at Wendell. Um alongside some of the questions about his rebounding ability. So, again, no no slight on Wendell here because it's a question that's been asked. Should the Magic seek to strengthen the forward position going... uh, Sorry, the centre position going forward? I think they should seek to improve every error, if if I'm honest. What what an answer! Right, and I'll tell you the reason why. So we're one and two this week. Can you remember a couple of years ago... um, I think Jeff Turner or or maybe David Still used to say this, that Aaron Gordon used to be the barometer that if Aaron Gordon was having a good night, the Magic had a good night. Yep. And when he didn't play well or he didn't turn up, the Magic just looked really, really poor. Well, this week we've had, in the two games that we've lost against Dallas and Atlanta, Banqueros averaged, uh, sorry, he had, Five turnovers last night against Atlanta. He had six against Dallas. Uh, Franz only scored 12 against Dallas and he only scored 12 last night. I don't... Like, we love Wendell. We love Markel. We love all these players that are fitting in around them. But at the end of the day, this season, the Magic are only going to play as well as Franz and Paolo play. And if they're not playing as well as they have, uh, as we've seen... Like, you think the Lakers game... Paolo had a big night. The Magic ended up winning that game. I think those two have got to look like really, really good players, all-star players for us to... And we've had a chance to win all three games, don't get me wrong. But um, for me, I, I think going forwards, there's question marks about all these players, um, and rightfully so. Um, like Gary's alluded to earlier, that... We all. Re- I don't think there's a player on the Magic roster that we don't like. We want them all to move forwards and be part of a playoff team or hopefully be a contending team. But it's, it's a genuinely likable roster. It really is. It really is. And realistically, a large part of this group probably aren't going to be part of that going forwards. But um, for me, for Wendell's, um, for, for his impact or, or lack of impact since he's been injured... Um, so I've got. I went through for a, a through. Oh, I can't even say it. Through a few numbers. That's what happens at getting up at quarter four, quarter five. Uh, this season, the Magic are seventeenth in defensive rebounds, so they're averaging thirty three point three. Last season, it was thirty three point one. So, eight game sample size, and last yep. season, it's almost identical. Um, according to StatMuse, all time, the Magic 
are averaging 34.4 defensive boards with Wendell on the floor and 34 without him. So the, the numbers are, are the same last year as they are this year. So if people are going, oh, well, Wendell needs to improve his defensive re rebounding, when Wendell's on the floor, the numbers have been the same this year and last year. So, so that consistency is still there. Probably the best example of him missing, we've averaged... 34.6 defensive rebounds with him on the floor this season. And since he's been injured, it's 31. So there's a drop in defensive rebound with Wendell, Wendell out there. And the other one, the Magic are seventh in opponent's points in the paint. Uh, the first five games, we were allowing 46 on average. And the last three games, that's gone up to 49. So... It's, it's, a, it's, it's only a few points here and there, but that's been the difference between like losing to the Hawks last night um, and a few other games where it's come down, like the Jazz went right down to the wire and Wendell caught the big defensive rebound that helped win that game as well. So for me, Wendell's biggest two strengths are his rebounding and defending players in the paint. I think that's... And for a guy that's, what, 6'10", 6'11", who's a bit undersized at the five, I think... He plays bigger than he is. Um, now, some of these numbers are a bit of a small sample size because obviously we've had games where J.I.'s missed two games, Fultz has missed a few games, Gary Harris has also missed the last three. Fultz missing games is obviously going to have an impact defensively on the rebounding side of it as well. But I think that just highlights Wendell's presence in the paint. The Magic are a better team with Wendell on the floor. The Magic are better with faults on the floor. The Magic are better when Paolo and Franz are both going off and they're averaging 18, 20 points a game, which is what we saw from them last year. So um, Wendell's a really good rebounder. He's really good at defending the paint. Um, that's I don't think the Magic should necessarily set themselves and go, right, Wendell's the centre of the future because if there's an opportunity to improve a position... The Magic have to build around that between Paolo and Franz. They're, they are the two key pieces for me. Um, go on. I, no, I, I also think <clears throat> one of the things that Wendell probably doesn't get credit for is whether or not he actually takes the rebound down, his presence allows others an opportunity because yeah. he is a physical player. Boxing he is a physical out. player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, mate, on the point of uh, centre... We saw J.I. get minutes in the fourth quarter uh, against Atlanta last night, finishing uh, the game off as our centre. You've long been an advocate of giving J.I. a bit of a time in that position. So, two-parter, how did you feel that uh, J.I. did in the limited time in that role? Well, I've been beating the drum for a while, haven't I? Just yeah. The last, yeah, the last couple of years, it's not mattered because he's been injured. But um, <laughs> I... I sat watching the game uh, this morning. And thought, well, there's my question for Mikey. As soon as he went, to... <laughs> knew where we were going with that one. I think, I think in certain situations, I don't think it's necessarily a full time thing that you look at. I think in certain situations and certain matchups, I think Ji at five makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's an effective shot blocker. He's a deterrent at the rim. He can switch out one through five. Trey had him on skates a couple of times last night when he was switching out onto him. But Trey does that to a lot of players anyway. Um, I think against bigger, stronger bigs, I think Wendell makes more sense because of his physicality. But I think 
Um, there's certainly some, I mean, Clint Capella comes off the floor. You want somebody that can switch out to, to somebody that can spread the floor a little bit more. I mean, you think, uh, you think further down the line, like when we end up facing Wemby Armour, like there isn't a better player on the Magic to defend somebody like Wemby Armour with his size and his ability to spread the floor. Um, I mean, personally, I, I thought it was great that we actually got the chance to see it last night. Um, I was a bit disappointed because the Magic actually put him on LeBron when we lost to the Lakers in LA. I think in the fourth quarter, they put J.I. on LeBron. And I was thinking, That's, I love this because they were coming off a back-to-back -back game and they went to overtime and lost to the Kings. What's the last thing a 38-year-old LeBron, LeBron wants to face is the Defensive Player of the Year candidate in J.I. who can defend all five positions. Um, I just want to see more of it. I think this year this we're figuring out who we're moving forwards with. There's, there's some experimenting still to go on. I, th I, would, I would actually really love to see what it would look like with Wendell at the five and J.I. at the four through stretches when Wendell comes back. I think that would be really interesting defensively. I think that would put our defensive rating even higher because you, you stick Paolo and Franz next to those two. That's that's a lot of size to try and score against. So, um, yeah, I, I think in limited minutes last night, it was great. Um, I'm sure we'll see more of it in the coming weeks because Wendell's going to be missing some more time. But I don't think that takes anything away from Goga because I think he's started really he's well. Um, um, and Mo's really been great off really, the bench. He's really took, took the opportunity in the role. Yeah. He really has come in and, and played some strong games for me. Yeah. But J.I. gives you something that those two don't. And um, I, I think in, in certain matchups, it's something the Magic have to explore. Right, Jay, I'm going to come to you for the second part of this question about J.I. The Magic are clearly being cautious in how they are handling J.I.'s return. So because of what he brings to the team when he plays, is this an approach you're happy to see? I think you've got to be careful, haven't you? Um, you know, I was lucky to, to be there when he first came back uh, last season now, but he, he only played those 11 games, uh, obviously sustaining another injury. So... You have to be careful. He's played six games this season now. But um, when Dante, uh, obviously, he was on the call yesterday in place of David Steele, he did a fantastic job. So uh, kudos to, to Dante there. But he, he made a point to say that uh, he heard George Galante uh, shout out that, you know, J.I. was at his minute limit. Uh, he did play a few more and he played down the stretch, uh, obviously, as you guys have just touched upon. Um, I wanted to see more of him. He, he he was you know he was good he was dominating um it's just defensive presence as mikey just mentioned uh it's something that we you know really lack having that kind of guy um just to be able to put on anybody um but you have to be careful don't you i mean you wanted him down the stretch last night because there's a chance of a w but you're not going to you know waste some minutes uh, in in garbage time or anything like that Obviously, as he builds up his strength and conditioning to, to get back, you know, I can't wait till he can play, you know, 24 minutes a game rather than the, you know, 9, 10, 11. Uh, he has been playing this season. Um, so I get it. Would I like to see it increased? Absolutely. Um, I, I, it's just so great to see Jonathan back on the floor. 
um, this season, and uh, long may it continue. And, and, and just mentioned about starting uh, playing him at the five. Mike, like, Mikey's been banging on about that since ever, and um, it, it was the right right thing to do by Coach Moose at the end. I thought um, Goga's obviously been playing well, but Isaac's a different beast. What do you think, yeah. Paul? Mate, I've I've got to be honest. I'm happy to see us take a sensible approach with him. Yes, I want to see more minutes, but you look at the the defensive presence that he brings to our team. And within at this moment in time, within that second unit, we don't really see a dip from the starters to that second unit. And a part of that, in no small degree, is down to Jonathan Isaac's presence on the court. Long may it continue. Yeah. And I think, yes, we've, we've seen one or two people um, criticising that he was out for a couple of games. If you've got a niggle... Well, what's the problem? Any other player, and it wouldn't have been mentioned, it'd just been, oh, shame, shame. But because it's J.I., it gets this um, overblown attention to it that disguises from what he is actually doing for us on the court. And yeah. I think we will... I don't think it's going to be too much longer before we start seeing minutes ramping up to the next level. I don't think we're going to see him yet having starter light minutes, but I think you're going to start seeing it coming up to the 14, 15 minute mark uh, relatively soon. And if that happens, God help teams that are going against him. Absolutely. But I, I, you know, I'm, as I was doing my deep dive on, on faults and how, you know, he's a winning player. J.I. is exactly the same uh, since he's been on the magic when he hasn't played we're 106 wins, 222 defeats. But when he has played we're 75 and 78. Gary, you've been quiet for a little while here, but uh, we're now going to get on to Paolo in year two. Um, we spoke in part about it last week that some Magic fans had concerns at Paolo's start to the season. So eight games in, I want to ask you how you think his second season is going so far and how you think it'll turn out. I thought you'd put me on a minutes restriction for a second. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, you are the Cole Anthony of this unit. I'm bringing well, you on when we need some impact. You need some impact. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, no, no pressure. Um, I expect Paolo to do 20 points per game, maybe just over seven rebounds, roughly seven assists, probably a slight improvement on his rookie numbers. Um, it's probably not what people are hoping for because I think you people are going to be looking for that leap that you see from the likes of, I know you've shown me some stats, Paul, of like LeBron and Durant where you get a four or five point leap. Um the reason why I say that is, is because as it stands right now, we don't have the floor spacing to get the best out of Paolo Bancaro. I think that is a massive problem. And I'm not saying Paolo's playing brilliantly, because I think until the team gets the turnovers under control, which Paolo is a part of, yes. we are going yep. to lose games like we have done in this week. You know, like we have to stop turning the ball over. That is the, the big thing for us, stop the turnovers but also improve our shooting. Um, teams have found this zone, and the zone is there 
to contain Paolo Banquero. We've seen double and triple teams, and that is there on Paolo Banquero. So everything really is to contain him when teams play against the Magic, which is a tip of the hat, really. Um, is it a problem if Paolo sticks around similar stats? Not really, because of the context of where it's at. It's not that his talents took a nosedive. I do think it would be a disappointment if that continued, that we were wasting talent. So if the team didn't address it and try to put players around to make, you know, accentuate, accentuate the positives of Paolo, then that would be a thing. Um, but I would also say that when OK LeBron came into the league with a hype train behind him, which we're seeing really with Wembenyama now, Wembenyama's getting love that Paolo never got as a rookie, despite the fact he posted generational numbers. Kevin Durant, when he was in Seattle at the start, didn't have the hype and the love thrown on him that LeBron did. You know, he got attention as being a scorer and putting up 20 points per game. But as he was known at one point, the Durantula, which he used to get known when he was a younger player, he was talked about as a pure scorer. He was getting Tracy McGrady-style love. Smooth player, could score in isolation, long. And then there was question marks about his efficiency on a poor Seattle, not a great Seattle team when he was drafted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fair comparison for where Paolo ended his rookie season at, where he didn't get the same spotlight as a higher-profile rookie like Wembenyama is now getting. He can score. He's getting his reputation as a scorer. He's got comparisons to another great scorer in Carmelo Anthony, who is known as a pure scorer. And there's question marks on efficiency in a team that hasn't got the unit around him that Durant would get with Oklahoma, where he really made his name, when he had that, that core around him. So I think it's our job to make sure down the line that Paolo Banquero gets the chance to be what pa Paolo Banquero can be in Orlando. And right now, I think if you looked at his floor of where Paul, Paolo's talent is, just as he is, if he stays as he is roughly, he's Julius Randle as a floor as an absolute where he is now okay, and yeah. that's that's a within critique in a player who's a reserve all-star and the main man on the Knicks so that's how good Paolo is because he's a kid still really um I think he's ceiling of Paolo you can see the similarities in movement with LeBron I don't think he's the athlete that LeBron is or was when he was on like the heat and things like that I think Carmelo Anthony's probably a nearer comparison of where Paolo where he can he can lead an effective team, he can score. And let's be honest again, Carmelo Anthony flew under the radar. He 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 had a rookie season every bit as good as LeBron. But, well, he was rookie of the year, wasn't he? <laughs> well, but he had he, but no one talked about how good he was because the spotlight yeah. went on LeBron because of what LeBron had a great rookie season and he came in with the Wembenyama hype. And when you look at that draft class, him and Wade get the love. Carmelo Anthony was was elite in that. I am right, aren't I? He did win rookie. And of the LeBron year. won rookie of the year, I think. But I think Carmelo put up the numbers, which would have generated a rookie of the year. There was there was something I was watching on YouTube a few weeks back, or maybe it was LeBron. No, no, I know what it was. LeBron was at Carmelo's first playoff game when he was with the Nuggets. Yeah. And he was supporting him through that. Uh, it was something like that, yeah. 
Yeah. But he, he had an elite rookie year, yeah. He had an elite rookie year, but it was just forgotten because the hype, and let's be honest, LeBron's top five, top three, top two, top one all time, depending who you ask. Um, but I think Carmelo Anthony's probably a, um, a near of comparison of what we maybe can expect in terms of where Paolo's stock will be. Mm. And that is good. That is that is really good. So I'm still I'm all in on Paolo. I've got no concerns. I just don't want Paolo to be a victim of the team not being put around him eventually. And the same with France to succeed. So so um, LeBron received 78 first place votes out of a possible 118 that season. Carmelo Anthony came second overall. I don't have his first place votes. And then Wade came third. Third, yeah, just done the same thing, G. Just gone, yeah. done a little. <laughs> but statistically, what impact did he have on that Denver Nuggets team? Yeah, because they were rubbish. Oh, it was massive, massive impact. Yeah, but because he was Denver, it's a small market. And yeah, he didn't get a hype like you guys have just mentioned. Yeah, so it, I just I think it's interesting, but then it goes back to the point I'm going to make again is is that the team is in its really early stages of trying to find out who we are what we are and where we are and some of the players will not make it through to the end of the rebuild i don't think it hurts making that point again and again gary simply because people are kind of believing that because we've we've all got a strong belief that we can do something yeah. more this year and that we can reach the playoffs in some shape or form it doesn't mean that we believe this team is complete. We are still, as you have said, in a rebuild and a, a development phase of that rebuild. And Paul, also, I think you, you're dead, you're bang on. Um, but I also think it goes back to the point of people like the players on this team. I think Mikey said it, yeah. we like the players. And there's people who who are Magic fans who've gone into bat over and over again for your likes of Markel, for your likes of Cole, for your likes of Jill and Suggs. And that's why it's heated, because people have attachments to the players. I, okay. I'm not slighting players like Vucevic here, but people are a lot more attached to this Orlando Magic team than the one that made the playoffs last. Yeah, a lot I think more. that's a fair point. Right. Well, also, a, a second part of this is I want to ask you if ultimately some of Paolo's figures do take a dip this year, uh, is that a problem? If we make the playoffs and Paolo averages 19 points a game, are we complaining? <laughs> I, I'm not personally. And then there is a thing in American sports, and I'm, I'm sure I know we've got American listeners called the sophomore slump. Yeah. If you want an example of a player who had a sophomore slump last year, who's doing really well this year, Scotty Barnes. And when you look at Scotty Barnes' figures from last season, they're not that bad. They're not that much down. But he was in an, again in an elite rookie class. Yep. And like, look, I, I think Paolo's better than Scotty Barnes. I'm just going to throw that out there. But I'm not, I'm not saying that Scotty Barnes is a bad player because if it was in a, a weak draft you'd be saying he's undoubtedly a top three player out of that draft. He's just happens to be in a draft where 
you've got Morbley, you've got Cunningham, you've got Franz, you've got Jalen Green, you've got Schengen. It's deep. So yeah. him him being the rookie of the year in that draft class puts a bullseye on him. But what you've also got to consider is every team is scouting the magic and they're trying to stop Paolo, get the ball out of his hands. They're going to put pressure on him. They're going to try and force him to make mistakes, to make tur- to do turnovers, take bad shots. So you've got the added pressure of that with Paolo this season. And gee, that conversation look- was there last season, wasn't it, when we were talking yeah. about the rookie of the year conversation, that no other player of in his rookie class was facing the same pressure and being the face of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Every every other one who was, whether you're talking about somebody in Oklahoma or whether you're talking on Indiana or wherever else, they had star players at the side of them. They had somebody who is the face of the franchise. Paolo is the only one who doesn't. And I think that's still, as you've just said there, the case. Can I mention a player yeah. as well who we're not talking about here that's really important? Go for it. I'm not saying that I'm like saying this guy should be in the starting five, but w- with these zone defences that have been thrown at us, we really could have done with Gary Harris as an option. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think, you know, like we're talking about the importance of, say, like Markel being there or Jonathan Isaac being there, for example. If Markel Fultz, sorry, if, if Gary Harris had been on that floor and then you're saying you've got your Markel Fultz point guard or you've got your Cole Anthony point, you've got someone to throw that ball out of that zone. For someone to aim at and say break the zone, you've got your three-point shooter, and I think as well that takes your pressure off France, because France is your clutch player in the fourth. So teams are going to look there. I think France would have got more space if Gary Harris was available to draw on. I was hoping that, and I think he's done really well this season. But I was hoping that Jalen Suggs would have been shooting better than he is. But Joe Ingles is another one um, in that same you know uh, context because. He can shoot the three. Um, and I don't know if you heard um, on the broadcast against the Mavericks, I want to say, um, he was calling out the Mavericks plays. I can't remember the name of the play, but David Steele and Jeff Turner picked up on it and said, look, he's calling, he's telling Coach Mosey what they're doing. And then we adjusted. I think it was the end of the second quarter at the time, and Caleb Houston made a defensive play on it. So Joe Ingles and his veteran leadership, knowing seeing you know a western conference opposition that he's come to know and play you know four times a season going years by um having him on the floor um could really have you know helped us so i I know he's not been putting up the numbers we'd had hoped but he can hit that three he can stroke it but do you, do you know what with joe ingles though <laughs> he's doing things that people aren't even really noticing yeah no i know yeah he was plus 27 last night against Atlanta, and he went one from six on the field. <laughs> there was some of the passes. There was one he threw out to the corner to Franz, I think, in the third or the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, there aren't many players that can that can see what he can see. Um, I think it was Adam Papa Pajor- I can't even say it. Sorry, Papa Adam. For- yeah, sorry, Adam, for butchering your name. Um, he made the great point on, on X, Twitter. We're calling it Twitter. Um the other day about how the casuals don't realise what Joe Ingles is doing, some of the passes that he's making. And I think Joe Ingles playing really well. I think if he could just add, if he can just give us a, like an, a, a couple of threes, two or three threes a game, I think people will look at him completely different. But 
you get people just look at the box score and go, well, they only scored one point last, uh, three points last night, went one from six on the field. Joe Ingalls is ineffective out there. He's plus 27 and he's only scored three points. So that's tough to do. Can I also throw in the fact that, thank God, he made that three ball after Jalen Suggs nutmegged uh, yeah. D'Angelo <laughs> Russell against yes. the Lakers. That was fantastic. That highlight was absolutely brilliant. If he'd not made the three, it wouldn't have been as good. So uh, shout out Joe Ingles. Also, though, if you I'm just going to go back to Gary Harris, when Caleb Houston got those minutes, where would they have gone? Oh, yeah. I think I think yeah I think Gary Harris is genuinely a huge miss for this team. He is a huge miss. It's it's again somebody who offers something a little bit different in the two guard position than what we currently have. Like if if Jalen can start hitting the shots, the threes, the, the, there's no debate on that. But we need the consistency out of him on the offensive end. Yeah. But I think if we'd had that Gary Harris Joe Ingles combo to throw in there. We could have changed things a little bit in that Maver- in the games where we've needed to break the zone. I mean, in this next, when we talk in this next section, we could all easily have, we could easily throw in talking about the three point shooting percentage, but I think that's something that we've we've all known has been somewhat of an issue that we didn't necessarily address that um, fully in the off season. So I want to talk about a couple of bits that um, have been areas of concern in some ways uh, at every game or during the week at some point. So, Mikey, start with the free throw percentage. How are you feeling about this subject? It's not been good enough, Paul. That's that's the plain and simple. Uh, the Magic are shooting 72.8% in eight games. Uh if you look at games this season, so like last night against Atlanta, we lost the game by one. We missed 10 free throws. We beat the Jazz by two, but we missed nine free throws. And that game wouldn't have been close down the stretch and Garrett wouldn't have been having having his heart palpitations at the end of that, watching that. My little heart. <laughs> as Mark and it hit three and then we come back down the other end. That game wouldn't, That game would have been over and done with if they had made the free throws. Lost to the Clippers by 16. We missed 14 free throws. That would have been a very different game in the second half of, had we had knocked off our, our three points down. Uh, the Lakers game, we lost by three. We missed five three throws. Uh, really, that's been the difference. Um, and you think in that game, we were leading, what, by eight, nine points in the fourth quarter down the stretch. So free, at the end of the day, the Magic are, the Magic are beating themselves. Missing free throws is costing us games. Um, They're leaving easy points on the board. Um, Unsurprisingly, Bancaro's gotten to the line the most with 58 attempts. He's only made 38, 65% this season. That's that's one of the situations where we've been talking about Paolo and his abilities this year, but that's the one that concerns me that's took a big dip. So... Is is his attempts are there? They're right up there, seven eight a game like he was last year, but he has to start making them. And that and we saw this. I think in FIBA, he was his free throw percentage, his shooting wasn't great. It wasn't great last year. It was in the seventy. I think it was seventy seventy five percent without looking. So he's obviously still trying to find a rhythm, but 
he's got to improve from the free throw line because otherwise teams are going to foul him and think, well, we've got a chance that Paolo's going to miss one of two. Um, but there's been some some weird things like Cole Anthony, who was a, who's a great free throw. Why can't I say th- free throw shooter? It runs in, mate. It runs wow. on. That's the problem with it. <laughs> he's... He's second in attempts of the Magic this season. He's only 30 for 39. You're having games and I, I, was it was it the Dallas game? And I think he missed a few free throws in that game. And it was one of those things where we were frustrated watching that Dallas game and players get to the line when they were getting to the line and you're still missing easy points. Um, Franz is consistent. He's still at 85%. But again, I said it earlier, Bancaro's the barometer for this team. If Bancaro's playing well, if he, he's the one that's turning the ball over the most. He's getting to the line the most, but not making his free throws. Um, if Bancaro can improve his efficiency, not just in the field, from the free throw line, and stop turning the ball over, I think that alone, the Magic are going to be in a much, much better place. But as a team, the Magic have to get better at free throws. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I don't want this to sound as if it's uh, this. The question I'm asking here is a negative because I don't think it is. I think there is also a positive too, as hi- as highlighting that the free throw percentage isn't good because we are getting the calls. We are actually getting to that line. It's there is a positive to this that we are now seeing the magic get calls. The officials are giving us, and we could probably have more. In all honesty, it's just because the margins are so slight. We've lost the yeah. game by one point. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and what's highlighted. Like you just mentioned, yeah. So we're in these games. We should be winning these games. We just need to make our foul shots. Yeah, and as you said earlier, uh, I think four and four, the two games that we've lost by a very very fine margin. Six and two looks much different. Yeah, yeah. six and two looks much different. So, G, same question to you. On the subject of turnovers. Oh my gosh, turnovers. I was like I was watching it was probably about three hours ago now. I was watching the, the first half. I messaged Mikey and I said, Have we got turnoveritis? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It was like just throwing the ball away. Um so I had a little look of the thirty teams. We are twenty sixth. 26th of in the league, uh, looking after the ball, turning the ball over 16.3 times. Uh, the worst teams being Utah, Detroit, Phoenix, the Clippers, then us. Um, but interestingly, in the last three games, we've t- turned it over 18.7 times. Now, I know I said it earlier, but we didn't play with a proper point guard who looks after the ball. And how many times did he turn over the ball yesterday? Once. So I know I'm banging the same drum again now, but we just need to give the point guard the ball. And Bancaro needs to stop turning the ball over. Franz Wagner needs to stop stop turning the balls over. Um, Last year, we only averaged 15.4, which was... Um, Where were we in the league there? Just trying to get my stats. It's not doing it um, by numerical, so I'll forget about it. But it's a lot less. So... Turn you know turn the ball ball over less. Uh, we're going to be a better basketball team. Um, simple, it's, it's simple math, isn't it? So there's not much more to say about it. 
just uh, look after the ball and, and especially look after it in the first and the second periods. Those turnovers in the first and second periods, you know, they lead to fast break points. Uh, and it doesn't let our defence have an opportunity to set up and be the ferocious defence that it can be if we're running back after the ball. One thing I think that's got somewhat ignored about um, last night particularly, and I think it was also the case with um, with Dallas, but I'd, I'd have to look back at what I'd written about for the game preview. But certainly with Atlanta, you had to expect that we were going to be on the back end of a lot of turnovers and on the back end of a lot of steals. Atlanta are a physical team that force those issues. They are, I think they came in leading, if memory serves me right from writing yesterday, in the, in those sorts of categories. They were certainly top three of the NBA in those categories. So I, you can't be surprised no. that we had those issues last night. Um, and I equally don't think it's surprising that a certain a certain number of those came from more inexperienced players. Yeah, I mean, last year, just done it now, we were 24th in the league. So yeah. being 26th in the league, you know, it's a problem that we've got and it's something we need to address um, this season. So it's, hopefully... Unfortunately, it's just a pain of being a young team. It is. <laughs> it's just one of those things you've got to go through and, and learn from it. But, like I said, 19 turnovers, that's 19 possessions that we've not, we've even not got to the line or we've not got some extra points on the board. Again, not just free throw percentage. That that's an, it's they're, they're the key two things, aren't they? More than anything else we're talking about. Free throws have to improve. So do turnovers. If you do that, we're probably seven and one and we're six and two. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, final point to you on the number of times that this team is committing personal fouls and allowing other teams to the line. What's your thoughts on the situation so far? Trey Young killed us, didn't he, on the line? Um, it's it's costly. It's not my major concern right now. I agree. Because I feel like I'm just jumping on Mikey here, but it's we're a young team. I think we're very enthusiastic. I think the players are aware that expectation is on them this season to achieve. And I think you can look at players like Jalen Suggs, who had five fouls last night, and they look as though they've had like a, a week's worth of caffeine pumped into them like 10 minutes before the game starts because they are really hyped up. And perhaps they're just over-trying a little bit. And then I think you throw into the mix that what we would have expected in terms of defenders, for example, Wendell being in the paint, isn't there. So I think we're trying to compensate. I think teams have got new ways to get at us that they hadn't perhaps had in their plan five games ago. Um, and I think we're still figuring things out. And I think the bigger question for me is, okay, I don't want to see us send somebody to the line and have death by free throws. But I think we've got to sort out turnovers and I think we've got to sort out the zone and we'll still win games. You know, um, I didn't like seeing Trey Young at the line as much as he was, but I can live with it. What I really want to show is, is that we've got an answer to this zone defence and mm. we've got an answer to the turnovers. And I think if we sort those two mm. problems out, we're going to win a lot more games. Right now, we're on a 500 record. And when we did our season predictions, that was roughly where we were all sitting at. Absolutely. Yep. 
think that's a yeah nice little point yeah. to end my spiel. <laughs> I think so. Go on, Mikey. Sorry, I, I was just going to say it sounds like we've just had five minutes of just moaning, but we're not. It's just it's just points to highlight that these are areas the Magic have to improve on. That, that that's this it. Is, but at the end of the this day, this is what I was saying, isn't it? That I don't want it to be appearing as a negative. No, are, it's not. What the three things that we're talking about there are all fine margins that make a difference between taking a taking a loss and getting a W. You also, I think the other thing you have to factor in uh, in in the personal fouls, in the turnovers, you look at the teams that we've played against this week. You've played against the Lakers, you've played against the Dallas Mavericks, and you've played against the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young leads is second in the league in free throw attempts. Gets fouled a lot. It's yeah. always been part of his game. Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, get fouled, get to the free throw line. Luka more so than Kyrie. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves for the Lakers. These are players who get fouled, get to the line and take shots. We have played three teams that have highlighted potentially our weaknesses this week. And I don't think that's necessarily negative because we've we've beaten one of them. We've lost by a fine margin to another one and to Dallas. It just got away from us in the in the in the second half. We just had a poorer performance in in part. Yeah, yeah we run them close and we expected to win. Yeah. You know, half time of the Dallas game, you're thinking, yeah, W here yesterday. Uh, well, you know, the Hawk game. I thought we'd win that, you know, up eight or ten in the fourth quarter. Should should um, win. So this isn't learning a negative. Curve. It's not a negative. It's, absolute, yeah. it's a learning curve. Right. Go on, Mikey. I was just going to say, um, if you had given us four and four at this point at the beginning That's of the season, we would have all taken it, given the schedule and, and given the all these Western teams we've played and then coming home for a game and going back to Mexico City. It's, it's been a tough start for the schedule. The Magic have not had an easy start with the schedule. So to be four and four, we, we are, we're happy. <laughs> and, it, and it's just the frustration of it could be better. Yeah. That's it. Right, before we record again, we play four more games. So this has been recorded Friday the 10th. We're going again uh, next Saturday, I think it is. So between that time, we play four games, as I say, all Eastern Conference opposition, including our first two experiences of the in-season tournament action. So tomorrow night, Saturday the 11th of November, 11pm tip at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, potentially our first look at Dame uh, as a Milwaukee player, although he was out last night. He was out injured last night. It's day to day. Uh, was he? Oh, yeah. fingers crossed. He'll be you, never you, <laughs> you never know your luck. You never know your luck. Hopefully Giannis yeah. gets chucked out for taunting again. <laughs> you see that? That was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Wednesday the 15th, at 12.30 a.m., so Tuesday, stateside, the it's Tuesday, Tuesday. Night. Yep. Um, we are playing our first in-season tournament game at, at uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, and that is also the first night of a back-to-back. 
following night, second night of the back-to-back is uh, 1 a.m. tip on Thursday morning, Wednesday if you're in the States, um, where we play the Chicago Bulls on the road. And then 1 a.m. Saturday morning, so Friday night game over stateside, is our second in-season tournament game. Second night facing Vooch and DeRozan and Zach Levine as we go against the Chicago Bulls again. So, boys, how do you think this week is going to uh, shake out? Gary, we'll go with you first, mate. Two and two. Um, if it stands as it is and Dame plays, I expect us to lose to the Bucks, and I think we will lose on the back-to-back uh, in Chicago, and I expect us to beat the Nets, and I expect us to win the second game against the Bulls. So you're having both wins coming in the in-season tournament? Yep. Nice. Nice. Glory of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy a run to Wembley? Oh, sorry, oh, to Vegas. <laughs> so speaking of Vegas, as we've had one of our members recently there, Mikey, what's uh, your predictions for the week, mate? Where you stand on this one? I'm taking a gamble and going three and one. Ooh, go on then. We're going to beat the Bucks. Yep. Ooh. We're, we're, we've Ooh, been like good it. at home. I like it. We've been good at home. Uh, I'm going to say we beat the Bucks. We're going to beat the Nets and we'll split the pair with the Chicago Bulls. Oh Are you saying gosh. which one we're winning? Let's win the tournament one. So we'll win the second one. G, it's all uh, down to you, mate, for the 4-0 uh, for the week. Uh, <laughs> Heart says one thing, head says the other, and both the boys have taken it. So it was e- it's either two and two or three and one. Or four I and can't see I can't see us beating the Bucks. <laughs> I can't. Milwaukee is such a good team, and you know Giannis and Dame. Um... Detroit pushed them the other evening, though. They certainly did. They did, didn't they? No, I I, I go three and one. I be I'm still optimistic, still good and that optimistic. Is. Um, but we we need to win at least two of these. You know, these are teams that are going to be in and around us. Um, well, the Bulls, anyway. I, I don't think much of the Nets. So we better beat the Nets. Uh, just we can stick it on uh, good old Elliot. Um, so I'll say lose to the Bucks, beat the Nets. I'll say, oh, and then we're going to beat the Bulls twice. Yeah, three okay. and one. Let's do three it. Three and one. Paul? Gary, Gary has given my answer, mate. Two and two, both games we win are the in-season tournament ones. I don't like us against the books, regardless of whether Dane plays or not. They have a seriously good record against us over the recent years. Um, And second night of a back-to-back, somehow we just don't seem to do well. I think it was, what, one and seven last year. I think we only won one of the back-to-back games in uh, the second Could be this one. And, yeah. um, So, yeah, that's where I am, two and two. Two and two. So, everybody, I think that'll do for this week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and watch. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give it a thumbs up. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us your comments and questions. We will always respond. If you listen to the episode, leave us a review share with other magic fans it genuinely helps us grow the uh the show like us on facebook follow us on instagram tiktok and x all at i'll start a bit again all at lower underscore i'll oh, uh, <laughs> i'll get this <laughs> why why did you have to have an uh, uh, underscore you know it throws me anything technical throws me like this so <laughs> 
<laughs> like don't cut this it's running <laughs> like us on facebook follow us on instagram tiktok and x all at underscore let's talk magic i got there eventually so what well, everybody thank you for listening thank you for watching from gary garant mikey and myself until next time go magic <laughs>